0: that they were righteous and despised others. Now notice how this parable ends, verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so there's some great principles in here and uh, that are that are important notice there's two men one's a pharisee uh, a pharisee was almost as universally popular in jesus time as the publicans were universally despised so jesus tells this story and, and and he sets everybody up because everybody thinks that the pharisee is going to be the good guy the righteous guy and the publican is going to be the sorry outfit And so they're all, they think before Jesus gets telling, they know how this is going to end. They don't know how it's going to end at all. What's Jesus telling us? That sometimes we think we know how things are going to end, but we don't know. You know, you might find a person who would change his life, accept the gospel and serve the Lord the rest of his life. You might find him in the jailhouse. You might not find him at church on Sunday morning. And so Jesus is telling us, notice the pharisees separated themselves from others i mean luke 15 and verse 2 they wash their hands matthew 15 verses 1 through 9 there's a whole discussion about jesus with these pharisees about why his disciples don't wash their hands like he does we're not talking about ocd here and we're not talking about some communicable disease it's this idea of being ceremonial clean. Why don't, your, why don't your disciples, Jesus, practice all these ceremonies like we do? Why aren't they righteous like us, is what they were saying. Um, and, and, and so some of the writers tell us on entering the order when you became a Pharisee, you took vows, two vows. One, to tithe everything you ate, you bought, or your soul. And then number two was not to be a guest of common people and observe all ceremonial purification. So in his prayer, Jesus is saying, these are the things that you think that are so important. And they are important to you, but they're not important to God. And then you have a publican, tax collector. They were widely despised, both politically and on moral grounds. Why? Because they were employed by the hated Romans... So they were political collaborators. They, they seemed to rely on their livelihood on whatever extra that they could extort. It's like speed traps, you know. I hear people all the time get caught in speed traps. And and by the way, I haven't gotten caught in one, one lately, okay. But it's almost like extortion. You don't, you don't appreciate that. It's not, you know, you don't appreciate somebody doing that to you. They're, it's not interested in safety. They're trying to get money, and it's almost... It's almost like the mafia they do this over in nigeria and they come up with a thing and you know pull steve over pull you over try to take money from you because you don't have a certain sticker well this is the way they felt about the publicans and um but it's interesting jesus says there's some things that these guys have in common both of them are men both of them went up to the temple to pray both of them stood and prayed both began with the term god jesus taught us to pray our father who art in heaven but the jews prayed to god and then jesus taught us something that becomes so significant for us to understand so there's two prayers and both these prayers show different opinions um, of themselves and also opinions of others Um, the Pharisee, it was, a, it was a prayer of negative conduct. Notice, in the prayer, he mentions himself five times. He says, I, you know. And if you read Luke chapter 18, beginning verse 9, you know, you, you, you understood that, that um, this parable, that, that, that some trusted in themselves and they despised others. And so Jesus leads it off with that. And and they live by the negative of the golden rule. Rabbi Heniel did not state it like Jesus said, the golden rule, as you would that others do unto you, do you also unto them. For this is the law and prophets. But before Jesus came along, this rabbi had this statement of it. Do not to thy neighbor what is disagreeable to you. Don't do to your neighbor what you wouldn't want him to do to you. Jesus turned it around because positive is always better. Do for your neighbor what he would want you to do to you. So he's praying with this negative influence. Have you got that negative influence going in your life? Do you always see the glass half empty or do you see it half full? see, the Pharisees were looking at that half empty side, and that's what they did. He compared himself to others, and we we can always do that. Isn't that right? If you don't feel good about yourself, just find somebody that you think that you're smarter than, you're better looking than, you have more talents than, you have more money than, and then compare yourself with them, and it makes you look pretty good. In fact, I have an article here, uh, somebody wrote, it's, it's called comparati- comparisonitis. Comparisonitis. And, and they say comparisonitis will kill you. So how do you establish your identity? Are you always comparing yourself to others? If so, you suffer from comparisonitis. And he said, it it will kill you. You know, um, he starts off his prayer, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. And then he starts telling you what's great about him. And then he looks out the corner of his eye. I'm not like that publican over there. Is that what we do sometimes in our lives? Compare ourselves to others? to try to make ourselves look good you know um, it's it's always possible to find somebody who's less talented less gifted and so he starts off this prayer with comparison you know it was interesting you know because if you go through his prayer you would think what are some things that he failed to pray about well the one thing i noticed he didn't ask god for anything you know what if you don't ask god for anything that's what james says you know what you're going to get you're not going to get anything. No, when you come before God, there's some things that you desperately need every time you pray. Ask him for those. James said, You need wisdom? You want to be smarter? You want to be wiser? If a man needs wisdom, ask from God. Why? Because he'll give it to you. He will not upbraid you. He will not make fun of you. And then if we're not wise, it's probably because we're not asking God. And James says, you have not because you ask not. Notice the prayer here of pride and, and, and self-assurance. I fast two times a week. The law just, you know, asked you to do it once a year. I give tithes of everything. That was one of the things that they were big about was their giving. And it's interesting that Jesus said that when he prayed, he prayed with himself. Now, it could mean that he prayed silently to himself, but there's a lot more to it than that, isn't it? And so what is prayer? You know, to people who don't believe in God, prayer is just a mental exercise. Uh, to, to people who were trying to make a show of their religion, prayer is a way to make think- people think that you are religious. But what is prayer really about? Well, the publican tells us. The publican probably has not been in the temple in a long time, maybe years. And it's interesting because when you, when you read about this man, you realize he's in trouble. And he needs help. I mean, when, when's the last time you went in prayer before God and you said, God, I'm in trouble. And I need your help. Isn't that exactly what he's saying? I mean, there's so many things I wish I knew. I, you know, What is it that brought this man to the temple to pray? I mean, it wasn't a bunch of Pharisees that invited him, you know. I mean, was it because his mother told him he needed to spend more time in prayer? What is it that happened in this man's life that drove him to the point that he was was unafraid to be ridiculed? He knew exactly what he needed to do. He knew exactly where he went to go. He didn't know exactly what to say. But he went there. Maybe it was his last hope. But if it was his last hope, and if it is your last hope, then praise God that you went to him. Because not only is God the God of the last hope, he's the God of the first hope. He stands far off. He doesn't want anybody to know what he's saying. He's not there for people to look at him. He's not trying to impress anybody like this Pharisee is. And he can't really think of anything to say. All he can do is just drop his head between his shoulders and beat himself on the chest. And this is what he says, God, be merciful to me the sinner yes in the greek it's the definite article he's saying just like the apostle paul did that he's not talking about a sinner he's talking about himself being the sinner. so whatever has driven him there he is convinced that he is a sinner above all others that he needs help like nobody else and that's what he's saying He's not just saying, well, I've come from a long line of sinners and all people are sinned and need your help, God, and I'm a sinner. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And that's all he can do. In Ezra chapter 9 and verse 6, this is what Ezra says, Oh my God, I'm ashamed and blush." To lift my face to thee, my God. In Psalm 40, in verse 12, notice what the psalmist says. Evils have compassed me without number. My iniquities have overtaken me till I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails in me. What should you do? Do what the publican did. pray." to God and ask for his help. And then as these men leave, there's two different standings before God. And imagine what a surprise this parable was because the Pharisee was the righteous guy and the publican was the sinner. But as they go to their house, strangely, the publican is justified. Now, it's interesting. He... He he didn't tell God all the things that he was going to do. He didn't have anything that he really felt was worthy about to brag to God. You know, it's kind of like this. It's like if you want God to smile, just tell him your plans. And he'll smile. But let me tell you something. If you want God to be angry with him, you tell him how good you are. That'll make him angry. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because tonight you understand these things. What a beautiful thing when you read God's word and realize. You know when you don't feel so good about yourself. And you pray to God. And you wish you were better than you are. And you want to do better. And you pray to God. It's interesting, isn't it? That's the, those are the prayers that God answers. Those are the ones that he hears. And so it's not the person who prays that feels so good about himself. It's the person who prays because he needs God so much that God says that he will justify them. Well, the publican was not justified because he was a sinner, but because of the fact that he acknowledged it and he asked for God's mercy. And he did it in the way that God commanded him to do it. And therefore, he received forgiveness because of God. I mean, Jesus talks about Pharisees and Matthew 23 and Matthew 21, verse 31. And this is what he told the, that's what he told the Pharisees, that, that tax collectors and prostitutes will go into the kingdom of God before you. And, and you would think that after Jesus told these two parables, don't feel bad if you don't really get it all the time. Because that song that a Hardened, Taught me. He's still working on me. God's still working on you. Because the disciples heard these two parables, and it it, it seemingly they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Because in verse 15 it says, "Now they they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them." And when his disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called to them, saying, "Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them." Before, to such belongs the kingdom of God. And Jesus points at his disciples and says, And I want, to, I want to tell you something. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like this child will never enter into it. What a powerful statement. And so it really is the case that when you come before God and you need something so desperately and badly from him and you need forgiveness, that he will be there to answer your prayers. Let me tell you about the prayer that God doesn't hear. Number one, God won't answer prayers when we're praying to ourselves. When we're just saying a prayer. He doesn't answer prayers like that. It's interesting too that heartfelt prayers don't usually take all that long, do they? What did Jesus say when he was in the garden and troubled and weeping and asked his disciples watch over him? You know what his prayer was. What was the prayer he prayed to Jesus? I mean, he prayed to his father. Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. didn't take long to pray that. Evidently, that was a prayer that he repeated. And then it says that there were drops of sweat that fell from him like blood. It's amazing how quickly and short prayers can be. I mentioned in class this morning that one of my friends that I preached with, he was older than me, who's a visitation minister, and his prayer was Maranatha. It's from the last uh, last, uh, thing that's said in the the Bible, Revelation. And it's uh, basically interpreted as Lord come quickly. (laughs) So wherever we were, when we got in a tight spot, Bill would say, Lord, come quickly. And that was his prayer. And I was thinking how many times in my life that's, you know, Lord, come quickly and help me. Number two, God doesn't answer compared to comparison prayers. I remember when Shannon was little one time, she had a friend over, Misty Fears, and Shirley was saying their prayers with them. And so Shannon was praying, and she was working on Misty a little bit. and She was talking about how everybody... Needed to be, and they needed to do better. And Shirley said, as Shannon was praying, she was opened her eyes up and she looked at Misty, and she looked over at Shirley and winked. You know, she was working. Her prayer was going to work. I don't think the prayer got that high off, but Shannon was concerned about her. But comparison prayers, they don't work. God doesn't hear those prayers. And and and, and notice also the, the number three. The Pharisee's prayer was based in externals. You know, his pride was built upon the unstable foundation of what he'd done. And not who he was. Isn't it interesting isn't it. That the man who had done so much. Did not know who he was. But the man who had done nothing. Knew. In the eyes of God. Who he was. And God justified him. There's got to be a great lesson in there for us. And then number four. The fourth reason that the Pharisees prayer never reached God. Was that it lacked humility. So. It's a shame, but a lot of times when we, are, we feel very humbled or humbled, maybe the times that we're tempted not to go to God in prayer because we may think we're not good enough to pray or what's happening in our lives is not important enough to pray about. But notice his prayer was never heard because it was not a prayer of a humble servant. And so I remind you tonight, because you are the servants of God, because you love him, because you want to serve him, I remind you to pray. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and I want to close this lesson by, by reading what Jesus said about prayer Matthew 6 and verse 5. And so it becomes obvious that Jesus taught these lessons over and over again because of their importance. And in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Then Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Thank you so much for being the great servants of God that you are. Thank you for being here tonight and studying His Word. And I pray... As we study tonight, the parables of Jesus will ring within our heart and remind us exactly what God wants us to be. If tonight you need to come to the, in, in, to, at Jesus' invitation, we always sing an invitation song to encourage you to come. So if you need to come to him tonight to make things right between you and God, or if you need our prayers or our encouragement in any way, we invite you to come while we stand, while we sing together. Come about, come.
1: Never ceasing, see, see, call for songs of loudest praise. a fetter, bind my wandering heart to Thee. Never let me wander from Thee, never leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it, seal it. Are there any other announcements that need to be made before we're dismissed? If you have not had the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper, it has been left prepared for you. You can exit the auditorium to my right and uh, you'll be served. Closing song this evening will be number seventy-one, "As the Deer." <clears throat> Following this song will be led in prayer. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs. You, You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship You. I want you more than gold or silver, only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver and the desire and I long to worship you let us pray dear heavenly father thank you for this day thank you for the opportunity for us to come here and worship you and not have to be punished or worried about being punished for it Thank you for everything you've ever given us, especially your son down on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.